This is the Capness HR Podcast, and we want you to be great every day. Join us as we transform the human resources outsourcing industry while we talk to small business owners, founders, and people in tech, startup, and HR spaces. Now, please welcome your host, Jason Capness. Hello, and welcome to the Capness HR Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Capness. Our guest today is Elaine Orler. Elaine, are you ready to be great today? I am ready. Elaine is CEO and founder of Talent Function. She has been developing and implementing HR solutions since 1993. With a keen analytical eye and passion about helping companies enhance their talent acquisition process. She is uniquely able to identify how talent acquisition impacts both workforces and employers. One of the talent acquisition industry's most sought-after thought leaders, Elaine has helped global organizations transform their recruiting processes with actionable strategies and technology implementations that optimize talent acquisition for HR professionals, hiring managers, job candidates, and the company overall. Often quoted in leading HR and business publications, including the Wall Street Journal, Human Resource Executive, and Talent Management, Elaine is well-respected as a talent acquisition and talent management expert and takes an active role in industry events and associations. She is always tuned into the latest trends and is currently the Recruiting Trends and Talent Tech Conference Chair. She continually works with people and serves as an analyst to the solution product provider community to shape the way talent management and recruiting solutions are delivered. She has invested in all aspects of the market that improve recruiting performance from Canada Experience, co-founder of the Talent Board, the founder founder organization of the Canada Experience to optimize Canada selection with Televista. Elaine, you have a quite a busy role there, don't you? I do. It's much like having multiple children. I seem to have multiple jobs in my life, which uh, keeps me young is my best description. Yes, I agree with that to- totally. So, Elaine, can you talk about your company a little bit? You know, you're doing a lot you know, for HR community, but what, how about your own company? How's that working? How's that going? Sure. Talent Function. I'm super excited. We've, uh, we're coming up on our 10th anniversary, which if somebody would have told me when we started this organization 10 years ago that we would, A, be coming up on our 10th anniversary, I would have thought they were crazy. And B, the fact that the things that we've been solving for while have evolved with the new technology, it's still oftentimes the same problem that we're, we're helping to solve for. And we're super excited. The, the team that we have loves doing this work, continue to work with some amazing organizations, everything across the board. I don't think there is an industry or type of company we have not yet worked with in the 10 years. But um, super excited about what's coming, super excited about the, the trends in technology for us, for sure. But we, we love seeing our clients successful. So 10 years in, had no idea we'd be here this long. Um, but we have no end in sight, which is also encouraging. Elaine, as you know, you know, people talk a lot about, you know, recruiter goes, you know, a candidate doesn't hear back from the, from the recruiter. But I want to talk about something different. Can you talk about candidate ghosting? I mean, I think there's a lot of times where, you know, like you're, you're a recruiter and you have a job, a university set up for, for a candidate and they don't, and they show you call and they're like, oh, I took another job or this flake out on you. Can you talk a little bit about candidate, candidate ghosting? Sure. I, you know, I think. Uh, my phrase to that is that what goes around comes around in many cases. And we are in a position now where the candidate really is in the driver's seat and they get to make the decisions. 
So many organizations are competing for very specific talent. I'm not going to go on a limb and say there's a full talent shortage, but there's talent in certain disciplines and areas that is a shortage. And the candidates own the decisioning process. So their opportunity to skip out or to, I use all of our old HR phrases back on ourselves. When we used to post and pray the jobs out there and hope somebody would respond. Candidates are doing the same thing now with post and spray their resumes and then choosing if they do or don't want to follow up. The opportunity for them to make those decisions is strong and it is difficult. I think especially in different types of jobs, um, if you are competing for talent to to be in an hourly workforce or in a first-time job workforce where there are 10 other employers that are all asking the same thing of the candidate. The first one to get them to show up with the whites in their eyes is the one that wins. And there's a lot of missed opportunity there. There's the, the communication, the relationship, the expectation between that engagement of decision is still ripe for some reinvention. Elaine, how much do you think employer branding plays in that? Yeah, I think employer branding sets the pace for what to expect. I think where employer branding fails is when branding far exceeds the actual experience with the employer. And I think there's a balancing act that we actually have to accomplish. And that is making sure that our branding is true, not so aspirational that it sounds perfect. And yet we we fall short in the experience that we provide in the recruitment process or even in the employment process. Because the employees that exist within our organization are the true representation of the brand. They're going to be the ones that any future talent is going to look to to tell us what's true and what's not. Elaine, from your point of view, how important is it for HR people or people in general to attend the, um, the talent conferences that go around the nation? I, I'm a strong advocate of conferences. Having run a few, having attended a few, having spoken at many, the opportunity to learn and to network is always the reason I want to be at a conference. There is no better place to connect with your peers, but to go to a conference to just get out of the office is a, is a big mistake. To go to a conference hoping that these, that all the speakers are going to be everything's perfect, that's also false. But you need to go with the mindset to build relationships, the mindset to connect with other organizations, and um, for me, to explore what's out there. So often we are labored with the technology and the process that we have designed, but the conference is an opportunity to really rethink, reevaluate vision for some other things that might be coming and get to know the newer products, get to know what's crazy because whatever might be crazy on the market today is likely going to be mainstream by next year. Elaine, how would you recommend someone to pick, the, pick a conference to attend? Because I know there's a lot of them out, a lot of them are out there. I tend to stay closer to the conferences that are within my domain and discipline and then um, really focused on those that have a really, truly diverse slate of presenters. The presentation content, when you, when you hear the same speakers at every conference, you're going to get the same content. So I'm constantly looking for the conferences that have new speakers, resources or, or people or content that is different or unique. I know from the conference side and having done the coordination, it is difficult to get practitioners to present. So I would encourage anybody who's in an HR role, um, no matter how small you think your story is, I guarantee somebody else wants to hear it. So where you can, your best way to attend a conference is to offer to present at the same conference as well. 
your ability to cover travel and cost and all those other things that tend to come up as to why we can't go to conferences becomes a mute point when you choose to also share your story. And I'm not saying share the secrets that um, legally can't be shared, but the journey is always something somebody wants to listen to. Elaine, do recruiters have some, <clears throat> excuse me? Do recruiters have some kind of certification they can take? Like you know, like the HR certification is a specific recruiting certification. Oh, so you know, there's a lot of opportunity right now. Um, recruiter, even as a title, talent acquisition professional, as a title is still un. I would say it's still being established in such a way. Uh, ATAP, if you've heard of that, the Association for Talent Acquisition Professionals is really going after credentialing in a way that I think is going to to make this what we call our craft, our craft and our profession all in one and really set us up for a degree program and even a way in which that we can measure and hold people accountable to the performance that they need to for those roles. Do we have a universal certification? There's a number of other programs and tools that are out there, including product certification or specific discipline certification. But I'm looking forward to seeing how ATAP and some of the other organizations pull forward much more of a profession. Elaine, it seems, or just my point of view, you said like when someone graduates from college and they go to HR role, it's like usually they, they, they'll get put into like a recruiting role. Do you think that's a good thing, bad thing? Well, um, having one that did graduate from college this last uh, spring with a degree in HR, and her role was to, her role went into more of a of a technology provider operations role. Just listening to and having experienced her her role through college, you know, recruiting is a little different. I think recruiters are best coming out of sales roles. If they've graduated with a degree in business and sales, I can't imagine them. That being the best recruiter somebody could get from a new internship perspective. But from an HR perspective, there's so much content that talent acquisition in and of itself is a different focus. I always go, talent acquisition is focused on what the business needs needs in the future and an irresponsible for going to get it. The rest of HR is responsible for the talent that exists today and keeping it and cult and, and maturing it. So it really is going to depend on how how somebody's gravitated towards in their classes and then their degree on whether they gravitate towards finding something that doesn't exist or finding something new and which is what recruiting is predominantly about or much more of the coach and the relationship builder to retain what we have and to build it to build on what's already there. Elaine, so the small business owner or a startup founder outside of recruiting or bringing the own internal recruiter such a del- delicate balance. It depends on the volume of, of work. I think that there's some huge opportunities to partner for your recruiting, especially as a small business. Hey, I, ha- I am one. <laughs> uh, and in our space for the 10 years and consulting, we, we've always relied on a strong network of relationships and more need be um, partners to help us identify the next talent that we need for our organization. But I see different companies go different directions. There's some great opportunities in the, in the companies that are doing outsourced HR or outsourced RPO, recruitment process automation, or even in some other cases, the agency models that will deliver on different levels. Balance becomes how many people do you really need to recruit for? Do you already know who they are? Do you just need to, to convert them? Or do you need somebody that can go out and find them all the time? And at some point in time, there is some, there's an ROI for both cases. It just really depends on what business direction that small company is going. If it's on straight rocket growth, 
having the resources internally to manage those can be can be a huge asset. If it's not quite rocket growth, but it's much more staggered in the fact that it's not a direct discipline, then having a partner that can fill in the gaps where those disciplines are needed could be a stronger approach as well. Elaine, as a recruiter, is there a difference between how you approach recruiting if you're like, if you own your own agency, or if you're outsourced, or if you work internally, or is, is recruiting basically recruiting? Yeah, you know, great, great question. And I think one of the biggest challenges with the term even recruiting is there is as many definitions as there are people doing the work. And so when you think, you know, even from the evolution of moving it from personnel into recruiting, recruiting into talent acquisition from an internal perspective, even the definition of recruiter right now could be debated a million different ways from a recruiter is somebody responsible for sourcing future talent to a recruiter is somebody responsible for managing applications. And I see every organization with some slightly variance on the, dis- the definition. At the end of the day, I think recruiting is responsible for figuring out what is the right resource to fill, to fill the need of the business and making that connection happen. So anytime where there's connection and engagement the recruiter is going to, that's where they're going to bridge uh, across all the definitions. Elaine, as you know, right now, the hot topic, and actually a hot topic for all is diversity and inclusion. How important is it for small business owners and founders to focus on that early on? And yes, the uh, component of diversity and inclusion, I think, is absolutely critical. So important that I went and bought a startup that delivers diversity and inclusion uh, capabilities in the recruiting space because I think it's far too important to let go. But for every organization of every size, we, we need to be thinking, thinking about this from the very beginning. And not because it's, it's a risk of getting in trouble. It's because it's an opportunity to really help our organization succeed. Elaine, so two-part question. The first part is, as you know, a lot of people graduate out of college soon. And just for people looking for a job in general, what advice would you have for them to find their, job, their next job? And second part, for those companies hiring, what advice do you have for them to find the time they need to fill those positions? Because I think there's like a, like a disconnect going on right now between those two. There absolutely, there's always been a disconnect. And um, while I think it's getting narrower, it's not, it's, it's still, it still leaves a lot of casualties. I will give the advice to anybody who's definitely in college, coming out of college, or even somebody who's in a career transition. I'm going to give you the advice that my son chose to do himself before mom knew to give him advice. And, um, it is proven to be one of the, it's in my mind, it's brilliant and it's probably just more common sense. As he was graduating with a degree in sports management from Temple University two years ago, he set out through the program to get to know the position or role he wanted to be in in five to six years. And so he, he spent more time researching what those opportunities were, not the first job he's going to get, but what's the job he wanted to have in five to six years. And then he started to use, and because most anybody who's in college today, you get one, I believe it's a month, a free LinkedIn professional or some kind of something. But he calibrated on his LinkedIn professional account and started looking for those titles and researching those people. And he sent out probably 15 to 20 LinkedIn messages. Now, this is the best part. And I wish I could have said I taught him this because um, I'm a proud parent anyway, but I really would, I'd be selling books if I had been the one that taught him this. Instead of sending the, hey, I want to connect with you, I'm looking for a job, he sent um, a variable set of messages that included, I'm in the same degree in profession, wasn't even the same school, I'm in the same profession, I'm, I'm down a path to look for 
um, an opportunities that are going to take me to the role that you're in? Is there anything you might tell your younger self? Or is there anything you might have done differently in your career path? Or is there anything you, you know you would advise on somebody who's trying to who's looking forward to taking the same journey? Anytime you ask for advice, the reality is you might actually be offered a job. Anytime you ask for a job, you're going to get advice. If you say, hey, I need a job, somebody's going to say, hey, well, maybe you should think about calling these people or touching these parts in your resume. Where, And I think that, that is a big miss in what we teach new grads and anybody in the employment cycle. We're so desperate to find work that we forget how to engage in a conversation. 15 LinkedIn messages, eight LinkedIn uh, conversations back, seven direct emails back with feedback and recommendations. Two of those led to deeper conversations. One of those led to, this is the best advice I ever got, which he responded to, thank you. This is exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to look for those entry-level jobs because I want to know all of the operations before I take on leadership. That same person came back to him and said, well, wait a minute, I have those openings. And he ultimately worked for the Houston Rockets for this first year out of school because that was his approach. And he's since gone on from the Rockets to the San Diego Padres, and he's going back to grad school next year. So the opportunity is be willing to ask an open-ended question, be willing to take on that approach is my recommendation to anybody who's looking for a job. Ask for advice. You might get a job. And on the flip side, on the employer side, we need to find ways to be more compassionate about candidates that don't know exactly where they fit and find ways in order to make them better understand what it is of the job that we have available and why they're not a fit, but also being able to just listen. I think you know, looking for a job, especially when you're out of work and you need a job, is one of the most stressful things we can do in life. It's right up there in the top five things of things that happen from marriage, birth, children, relocation, and jobs. And so the more we can have empathy on the fact that that is such a stressful moment, the better we're going to leave that candidate than the way we got them. For every employer, I think that is our social responsibility. Elaine, uh, moving on, can you talk about telling you your success in the past, what you learned from the success and what we can learn from it? Successful for me, um, it's a lot of practice. I look back on the things that were successful and I think, you know, there are many times where I really thought things weren't going to work out. So I, again, for me, success 10 years leading and running a consulting practice in this space, just specifically around recruitment, process design and technology, that to me, I'm going to count as successful. I also count the fact that both my children graduated from college in four years and they're off of parent payroll as a huge success. So those are the two. But um, beyond that, I think, it really has been seeing the market change. If I had to, if somebody says, look back on your career and say, what are you most proud of? I think one of the things I'm incredibly proud of is the fact that I got to be one of the founding partners to the talent board and the candidate experience research that has been published. And having been, having been the chairman of that organization for seven years and seen that evolve into really putting empathy and putting best practice back into what the candidate needs in an engagement versus treating them like um, just another number is probably one of one of the, the strongest things I'll ever get to say I did in this industry. Outside of every client's success and seeing them successful in the product, and that is my addiction, I want to go do that over and over again every day. Elaine, in your time in, in a talent acquisition, what are some positive things that have changed and what are some negative things that have changed? 
in this industry, I think the thing, the positive things that have changed is we've gotten better in an, as a profession about holding to what's really necessary for the relationship. So in our technology and tools, we're moving into true engagement, into collaboration, not just transactions. And I think that that is, that's finally where we need to be. And we're starting to see, instead of being told how to recruit heads of talent acquisition and people that have been in the industry longer, being able to define strategy on what the business needs are and hold to that strategy. And that to me is, has been an exciting evolution. I think we're going to continue to see more and more of that. Elaine, next, can you talk about a time you failed in the past, what you learned from this failure or what we can learn? I don't know if we have enough time to talk about all my failures. I think for me, and this is a, as a, I think as we're in the world of the Me Too and women coming into equal rights and a lot of the things that are really predominant in our news and our market today, I've never really felt so much of that separation. But as I look back on my career, especially starting the companies that I have in each of the cases where I've, I've started a number of things, I've, I found out I'm a perpetual entrepreneur. That's a new lesson. But in that, I've always felt the need to always have a partner. And that has been my, that has been my Achilles heel. And I've learned very quickly. I finally have learned that I'm, it's actually okay to say that I can stand up on my own, that I can stand on, in front of the stage without feeling the need to be behind somebody else. And that's been a really internal challenge. So my failures have been the number of times where I have assumed that I had to stand behind somebody else, where in fact, I actually had, I had the capabilities and the right to, to stand in front first. And I still have to learn that every day. Can you talk a little bit about how you find customers for your company? Do you have a, a marketing program? Is it all word of mouth, organic? Or how do you go about doing that? Sure. Um, uh, majority of our work has been organic and it's word of mouth relationships. Most of our, almost all of our customers are still referenceable, even customers from the first round of cycle of, of implementations and things we did in 2009. So we do see a lot of returning customers, a lot of it as referral. So-and-so told me to call you. So, um, we have a, a unique program with our website and any one of our consultants is we will actually do what we call an hour of intellectual generosity with anybody for anything related to talent acquisition. Uh, no, no service agreement required, no contract expected. So we find that that in and of itself, a lot of times with companies that are either shy of consultants, have never used them in a large capacity or just don't have the budget that we'll take that hour and answer any questions, give them templates or tools or whatever we can to set them up for success. And that tends to turn into, while it may not be that project that month, I would say three years from now, something else turns up and that person remembers that generosity. They're back for another hour and um, there's a project usually involved at that point. Actually, uh, segues perfectly to the next question. Will you have any uh, offers for the guests today? Any kind of discounts or free service, anything you'd like to provide? Everybody is open to the hour of intellectual generosity anytime. If they're going to register for that with us, I will guarantee that they can have a full 90 minutes to two hours and from this program. And that's not a problem for us at all. I, again, we love the conversations and Sometimes the problems, sometimes it just needs, you just need somebody to hear you. And other times it might just be a template or tool you didn't know could, could be handed over. So we'd love to have all those conversations with anybody. Elaine, can you share yours and your company's social media links in case people want to reach out to you? Absolutely. And I'm the easiest. It's just Elaine Orler on everything. 
So E-L-A-I-N-E-O-R-L-E-R. And you can find me on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and any number, anything else that comes up as a social media platform, it's always going to be Elaine Orler. And then Talent Function is the same thing. It's just Talent Function on everything. Elaine, we'll come to the end of our talk. Can you provide us any wisdom or advice on any subject you want to talk about? I have two things that I tend to tell my team always. The answer is always no if you don't ask. And that's my best piece of wisdom for the year. If the number of times that we mentally go through the, the exercise of just assuming that something's going to be no, that it is no because we didn't even ask. So I encourage everybody, ask. Maybe sometime the answer won't be no. And the second thing is, I am very much a strong proponent of ask forgiveness, not permission. We're in an industry in a space where sometimes you just need to get in front of it and take that risk. So calculated risks are awesome. Elaine, thank you for your time today. I really appreciate it. I know you do a busy person doing a lot of great things. So thank you very much. Thank you. And to our listeners, thank you for your time as well. And remember to be great every day. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Kavnis HR. For more exclusive content, as well as your free copy of HR Laws, be sure to visit KavnisHR.com or connect with us on Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, and Facebook at Kavnis HR. Thanks again, and be great every day.